Hi, I'm Andrew Hargett, and you've joined us on To the Choir Master, a podcast examining our heart posture in musical worship. Well, uh, this week for the Grace Note, it is just me. Uh, Logan's been having some throat issues from allergies, and so it'll just be me on the podcast. And um, this is actually going to be a little bit of an odd episode because I'm going to speak a little bit about Lent. Uh, but this podcast will actually air just after Lent has ended, so Easter's already come and gone as well, and uh, we're going back to the regular grind for eight months or so until Christmas season, I guess. Uh, but that is intentional, and I'm actually not sure if Logan is going to even put Lent in the title or not, because I told them I was speaking on Romans 12, which I will briefly at the end, but uh, I'm sorry if you're being blindsided by this, um, and you know the applications and stuff in this might not be for everybody, but uh, hopefully it's something that you can gain some thoughts out of. Um, anyways, first, I guess the first, you know, housekeeping thing for this would, episode would be what is Lent? Um, so Lent ultimately is something that just ended. Uh, I think it started sometime mid-February and it starts about six and a half weeks before Easter. And, uh, basically it's a 40 day period. It's uh, meant to be a fast. It's a shout out to Jesus 40 day fast in the desert, uh, which you can find in Matthew four. It uh, started uh, just a few hundred years after Jesus, and then it's kind of taken shape and form since then. And the idea with it was to follow in the footsteps of Jesus' 40-day fast in the desert as a way to prepare our hearts for Easter. Um, and so that's why it comes before Easter, is it basically leads up and into Easter, where people tend to fast. Um, like I said, it's taken shape a bit over the years, and it's become something a little bit different. Uh Nowadays, it kicks off actually with Mardi Gras or Fat Tuesday, and that's a whole another topic uh, of discussion about uh, how we basically kick off the fast with uh, gorging ourselves with as much input and excess as we possibly can. So that's a whole whole different thing to talk about. But um, and then also the biggest thing that you might hear around Lent season nowadays is just people saying, "Oh, what are you giving up for Lent?" Uh, and that's kind of the, the end of it is it's a ask people what they're giving up for Lent. Uh, people give it up and may or may not share about whether or not they've kept up with that. And then, uh, yeah, you don't think about it again other than uh, waiting to not have to give that thing up anymore. So that's kind of what Lent is and uh, what it's become. And I'm not here to hate on Lent. I actually I love the idea of Lent. Just like I love the idea of Advent, uh, both of which are meant to reenact a waiting or preparation period. You know, one's leading up to Christmas, one's leading up to Easter. So I, I love the idea of that. But I wanted to do this podcast a bit because I think we've lost our way with what Lent's all about. And so I wanted to speak a little bit, especially coming off of Lent, because one of the main things I want to talk about is how I think we've lost our way in how we come off of Lent. So maybe next year we can look at. Um, you know, what it looks like to actually prepare a heart for Easter and things like that. We did a little bit of that with Advent this past year, but um, that'll be for the future. This is really looking intentionally at the post-Lent season. Um, so many people for Lent coming into this will say things like, I drink coffee every day and I'm addicted to it. I know it's bad for me because I'm mean without it and it gives me heartburn. So I'll give that up for Lent. So that's a common thing you might would hear. Um, and they do that, for, and then they go back to drinking coffee after. You might hear, man, Facebook is just such a divisive place. I'll give that up for Lent. And so people, for those 40 days, will give up Facebook or other social media things, and then 
go back to it after the 40 days. And you might hear, oh, I could really use to cut some weight, so I'll give up eating sugar for Lent. Uh, that's another very common one. It's a kind of a, a spiritual diet plan, so to speak. Um, and then, you know, they do that for those 40 days. Um, and, and there's really a couple things with some of those statements that I could go into, and I'm really just going to go into one of them. Um, and so, you know, don't don't take this as that this is all to be said about this. There's a lot to be said about the things we do or do not do to prepare our hearts within them and whether or not those things in particular are helpful in preparing hearts for celebration of Easter. There's also a whole other conversation to be had about the constantly posting on Facebook about how much you're looking forward to breaking your fast or eating sugar again. Uh, but that, that'll be something maybe for another day that we could look at. And um, the other caveat with this is I, I don't want you to leave thinking that giving up of these things means that they are wrong or that the, the giving up of the things is wrong. Um, you know, that's not wrong to give up sugar or coffee or even Facebook. And it's not that sugar, coffee, or even Facebook are inherently evil and need to be cut. Um, so that's not where I'm going with this. So to kind of give you an idea, I'll give you the thesis of the podcast now in the form of a question, and then hopefully we'll kind of get to the approach and where I'm going at it as we talk. And uh, my ultimate hope is that you, this question would stir in your heart for a bit and that the Holy Spirit would use it to convict you. And so the question I want to ask is this. If you're giving up something because it is bad, why should you go right back to doing it after the 40 days is up? So that's the question. So again, I'm not saying that coffee is bad, but if you're giving it up because it's an addiction or because it's something that defines you and that you think about and you find energy from and you talk about it more than you talk about Jesus, then you've already admitted that it holds a control over you, right? So if, uh, if I'm not saying that Facebook is inherently bad, but if you're saying that you find it to be a temptation to be a divisive or you find it to cause you to waste huge chunks of valuable time, why go straight back into it after Lent? And I'm not saying that sugar is bad. It, it probably is bad for you, but I'm not saying eating any sugar is bad. Uh, but if you are wanting to give it up because you're saying, hey, this is damaging my body to the point of hindering my mission, why count down the days until you can get back at eating sugar? And so that's kind of the, the idea of all of this is we come at Lent with an approach of this is bad for me, therefore I'm going to give it up and then in 40 days, I'll go back to it. And, uh, you know, there's a whole other side that's where we could look at how that's not really the purpose of a fast. Um, that's not necessarily even in line, really, with what Jesus did in the desert. But uh, I, I want to look at that direction of why is it that we often give up things, saying they're bad, and then go back to them. And so um, to look at this a little bit further, let's look at a few different Bible passages and uh, really, just to cut straight to the meat, I want to read Jesus' own words in Matthew. Uh, there's a similar passage in Matthew 5 coming you know, shortly after the uh, Matthew 4 with the temptation in the desert. But I want to read out of Matthew 18 um, and specifically verses 7 and uh, 9, which says, Woe to the world for temptations to sin, for it is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. And if your foot or hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, 
tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into the hell of fire. And so this is a pretty extreme passage. Um, It doesn't get more extreme in the Bible than this, maybe. Um, And it would be a, a very long podcast if I tried to cover why we don't take this literally and have Christians hobbling around with one foot. But, uh, you know, for now, suffice it to say that pretty much every Orthodox Christian belief system says that this is Jesus demonstrating just how extremely bad sin is, such that we ought to take extreme measures to avoid even the temptations. So if we take that and we make it more real or apply it to Lent, you could easily say even that if Facebook or Instagram is causing you to sin— it's better to live without those connections and the memes and the funny videos than to spiral into a life of sin that leads to eternal death. And so that's that's really what I wanted to get at with this idea of we approach Lent with these are bad things, and so I'll get rid of them for a season to prepare my heart, but we don't we miss this the extreme words that Jesus talks about with our sin of saying, hey, if you're saying and you believe that this is something bad, it's better to just cut it entirely than to be tempted to sin with that. Um, So if we look beyond Lent, the principal would say that it's better to not have a phone than to watch pornography on it at night. It's better to wear old and cheap clothes than to walk around with pride thinking about how everyone thinks you look great. It's better to die than you know, insert whatever sin here. That That's the type of language that Jesus uses around our sin and why I think we should just look at the things that we cut and the, the quickness with, with which we go back to them a little bit different and a little bit more extremely than we do with the current Lenten season where you know, many of the things that we've given up that we said were bad, we're now it's, it's April, you know, first or second week into April, and now we've gone back to those. And so all of this is, is not to be legalistic. Uh, the goal actually goes far greater than not doing certain sins that the church has labeled as particularly bad. And so, um, you know, right now, one of the big things, you know, maybe that you could say the church has labeled as particularly bad would be, oh, um, wasting time on social media. I, I don't know if the church has labeled that bad so much as that's just a, a common thing of talk. But basically, I'm saying this this is not to be legalistic about just giving up these things that we've defined as bad. Really, it has to do with, one, loving God and finding Jesus as so wonderful that you'll do anything to avoid damage to that relationship. And two, loving people so much that you'll do anything to not hinder your witness of the gospel to them. So, so that's my beef, I guess, with Lent. It's not that Lent is bad. It's that we've turned it into a legalistic act that makes us feel like we're doing something right. We, we feel like we're demonstrating our love for Christ by doing Lent and giving up these things. But in fact, all it's revealing is how much we love our sin and the very things that we know are bad for us and that we can't wait to get back. So yes, do Lent. Prepare your hearts for Easter, but don't stop there. Make it a habit of your life to give up things permanently whenever you find something that's distracting you from things of eternal value. And if that happens in Lent, then that's great. Just don't don't set a, okay, well, after these 40 days, I can go back to it. Or, you know, we've bookended Lent often with, let me gorge myself of this thing before and then gorge myself of this thing after. Maybe it's maybe it's alcohol. Maybe you're prone to 
um, you know, drinking too much and, and becoming where you're a poor witness because your mind is, is gone to uh, alcohol buzz. And so nowadays we do where we have Mardi Gras at the beginning and we drink a whole bunch and then we do our 40 days and say, hey, look at me, I'm, I'm being a good Christian. And then after the 40 days, we, we are like, sweet, I can't wait to get back to this thing. And uh, it's really it's interesting because many people would probably claim that I'm giving a legalistic view of saying, hey, if something's bad, you need to cut it. But really, the flip side is true, where we approach Jesus through Lent legalistically, thinking that it's all about doing or not doing things, when really it's more about saying that the relationship matters and the loving of people matters so much that it's worth cutting all of these things at any time. So with all of that, I know I had promised that we would go into Romans 12, and so I wanted to look a little bit at why, why I told people that I was going to be talking about Romans 12. And there's really two reasons here of, of how I'm relating all of this. One is that this passage is one of the ultimate application passages after coming off of many chapters of theology where Paul is addressing issues in the church, and thus I think it's relevant for us to consider how he describes living out the gospel. So that's kind of one of the reasons why I think that this is a great passage that says, you know, it's not just a legalistic list, it's a, this is how we ought to live out the gospel. The second reason is that I think this passage helps us to understand that this living out the gospel is what our worship looks like, which is the very goal of this podcast. We're trying to help see that worship goes uh, much, much more beyond song, and it's a heart issue, and it's something that through song we can discern the heart and what the life and all of that looks like. Uh, but I think that this passage does that really well. So I'll read Romans 12, 1 through 2, and then we'll talk about it for a second. So Romans 12, uh, 1 through 2 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And uh, that's reading out of the ESV. The, the NIV translates it more like in view of God's mercy. Uh, so he's appealing to you in view of God's mercy. And I like both of these translations um, because I think they help capture together what's going on here. Um, Paul is giving us both the motivator for this living, which is our view of God's mercy, and the means for this living, which is God's mercy. And so I don't think those two are really as separate as it might seem at first glance, and I think that's why I like the being able to pair some of the translations and start to get more at what those words are saying. Um, but So just like how Lent is something that we do in view of the celebration of Easter, this mentality ought to be something that's done in view of God's mercy, which is new every day for us and is so great uh, by, you know, His mercy effectively is what allows us to not be punished eternally. And, and, And then instead, by grace, we are able to receive eternal life and reconciliation with Him in paradise. And so with all of that, with that in view, with God's mercy in view constantly every single day, you know, not just a season, but every single day, we worship God by living where our life looks a lot different from the world, uh, or, you know, Paul calls it not being conformed to the world. And so, to me, the shows we watch or don't watch should look different in and out of Lent. The music we listen to should look different. How we spend our time, how we rest, 
how we use our money, how we speak. Everything should look different in every aspect of our life all year long. So we choose to give up things the world likes because our minds have been renewed to see God's mercy, by God's mercy, to love God's mercy. Where before we could only and did only choose what was right in our own eyes, we now submit to choosing what God has said is right and what God has said is good for us. And uh, we find that that is good for us as we do those things. So this, this renewal and this transformation gives us the power to have decisions and um, discern God's will and to see it as good. We're, we're able to stand as Adam and Eve before the tree of knowledge of good and evil and remember God's mercy. It's in our view before deciding we want to decide what is good for our own lives, decide that for ourselves. Um, that's, that's what this renewed and transformed mind looks like. And again, this is not a call to just cut things in your life. It's a call to evaluate your life and your mind to see whether it is being driven by God's mercy or by your own desires. And I think that the Lent season and how we come out of that is a good indicator of that. For many of us, that may require cutting things that are harmful, even when the world would say that they're harmless or even good, uh, because we now see that it's not us worshiping our Creator, but that was time spent worshiping our own desires or ourself, uh, or maybe even just waste, wasteless or useless time. You know, uh, as Paul might would say, it's uh, things that are going to be works that are going to be burned up. Um, and so, you know, if we continue in Romans 12, Paul describes uh, life and a genuine love that truly can only be described as transformed, maybe maybe flipped upside down. And so this would be a good test for you. Does whatever thing you've got in your mind right now as you're listening through this, uh, maybe it's something you gave up for Lent and then you went back to, or maybe it's something you weren't willing to give up. Maybe it's that TV show that you know has a lot of nudity or violence or darkness or evil things in it. Um, maybe it's a social media account that causes you to scroll inappropriate videos or just waste your time when uh, you know that there are people you could be uh, helping or sharing uh, the gospel with. Whatever it is, ask yourself, uh, in line with these Romans 12, this is be uh, verses 9 through 21, you know, does this demonstrate that my life is abhorring what is evil and holding fast to what is good? Does this demonstrate brotherly affection and outdoing one another with showing honor? Does this demonstrate my zeal for the Lord? And you can keep going through that list and looking at these things, not from a legalistic standpoint of, I just need to, whatever the Bible says, I need to give up and I can do everything else. But from a standpoint of saying, is my mind transformed? Is it renewed to where I desire Christ? I desire to love God. I desire to love his people, and to share uh, the gospel with his people in such a way that everything I do is going to flow out of and through that. And uh, I think Jesus and Paul, they both demonstrate that the Christian life is way more radical than American Christianity has presented to us. Um, It's far more radical than a 40-day fast from things we shouldn't be doing. Um, It's a transformed life of devotion that's able to discern what is good and what is right in every situation. And so that is that is my hope, is that we would not see uh, these rules or things um, or even just unhelpful things in our life as something just to be given up in Lent, but that we would be constantly trying to have a renewed mind where we're always looking at our life and just trying to discern what things are right, what things are good, what things are appropriate and acceptable and perfect for me to be doing 
that demonstrates my love for Christ, that demonstrates a love for people, and that ultimately will be of eternal value and not something that's just a worthless uh, waste of my time that, uh, you know, oftentimes I don't feel good about afterward anyways. So uh, that's kind of some of my thoughts on Lent, and I hope that's helpful. I hope that if you uh, are le- you know left something in Lent and you uh, know that it's not good, I hope that this would be an encouragement to you to look at things um, in a different light and see that you know this ought to be a mindset. The the Lent and life uh, mindset that we have ought to be a life change, not just a forty day change, um, and that really. What the beauty of that is, is that it actually opens up Lent to be something more like what it's meant to be, where it could be a 40-day fast truly from something good to demonstrate Christ as greater and to prepare our hearts uh, and kind of simulate that waiting period and coming for the Messiah. Um, so if you are struggling with some of this, if you're saying, you know, hey, how do I, um, how do I cut these things that I know aren't good? Uh, one of the things we've talked about on here a few times and that has been near and dear to my heart is the idea that it's difficult to just cut things. It's a lot easier to replace things. And so I would encourage you to look to Philippians eight or Philippians 4, 8, where it says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And so... Rather than just try to cut things that aren't helpful, turn to the, those things. And um, there's a lot of different things that could be there. That could be, you know, spending time thinking about um, how you can witness to people and sharing the gospel, and um, you know, uh, thinking about how you can help people and help the poor. The other thing I would encourage is that um, out of this, uh, if you look at that list of things that he says to uh, think on, um, a lot of those words actually could be tied back to Psalm 19. It's uh, nearly the same list where you see. Uh, the law of the Lord described as a lot of these things. Uh, and it's used a couple different words where it talks about law and commandments and tru- uh, truth, or rules and testimonies, uh, but those are described as true and pure and um, and all, all, a lot of these types of same words. So the ultimate thing that we can be thinking on is God's Word itself, which is intended to create these types of changes in us and intended to be applied and help us to go out and be acting in that appropriate manner. Um, so that's kind of my encouragement for you guys. If there's something in your heart and in your mind, you know, pray about it. Uh, ask the Holy Spirit for power and for conviction and uh, discernment in these things. And um, I hope this is helpful for you to think about things in a little bit of a different light in that upside down or flipped up kingdom that you start to see in Romans 12 of how we ought to act. And I hope that would be something that would go beyond just uh, whenever Easter comes and goes uh, for Lent season. thank you for joining us on another episode of to the choir master this is uh, one of our grace notes where we uh, look every other thursday at just various topics uh, related to worship um, oftentimes we have uh, guests on the podcast and we've had a couple of uh, really awesome guests on recently that we encourage you guys to go back and check out um, and we also sometimes be logan and i or just one of us talking about different things and this is just kind of a little bit of a deviation from our normal tuesday episodes which we come out with every week uh, where we look at different songs and lyrics and try to look at what is the heart posture intended behind this song, what uh, scripture backing and ultimate truths can we take 
and sing out in this way, in a way that's meant to affect uh, the way that our heart is and the way that we're looking to Christ. So if you're interested in any of that, we encourage you guys to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, and go back and check our archives. They're all there. You can also check it out on our website at tothechoirmaster.com. You'll be able to find all of our episodes there as well and a lot of uh, new content that's uh, slowly uh, coming out and a lot of things that you'll start to see new on there. So encourage you guys to go check that out as well. And then you can also connect with us uh, via social media or uh, email. You can reach us at team at tothechoirmaster.com. That's T-E-A-M at tothechoirmaster.com. We'd love to chat with you and hear song suggestions or topic suggestions or uh, hear about really anything that uh, is going on in your life related to worship. And uh, we'd just love to start a dialogue with people and uh, kind of enjoy and encourage one another in that way. So hope to hear from you and uh, uh, hope to connect with you guys uh, via all these different avenues and uh, look forward to our next conversation. Mm-hmm.